We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Obviously, he's a you know he's an extremely talented kid, and um, you know this organization has plans for him, but he is competing for a job, so he's not coming in here. Uh, that's not his. That's not his makeup, anyways. Right. Um, he would never do something like that. He goes about his business, you know, the right way. Um, but even if uh, even if it were his makeup, that's not that wouldn't that's not the case here. He's competing for a job, just like uh, a few of these guys are. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Very interesting to um, to sort of take all of it in. You know what I mean by that? Like, it's uh, fascinating to me to get to know um, how Pedro Grafol sounds and what he feels or what to expect from him or how he goes about running whatever it is that uh, – that he's allowed to run. There might be a cloud hanging over White Sox camp. Yeah. But Pedro Grafol, to use the analogy, has been kind of a ray of sunshine. Breath of fresh air. He has been. Yep. There you go. Yep. I like everything that he's had to say. I like the way he's handled these kind of things. He's kept the focus where it needs to be. So when he says Oscar Colas, 24-year-old rookie, has to earn his job, I think it's consistent. I, I don't know that it's true. He's got to be the guy they pencil in there. If he doesn't win the job, Molly, something's gone terribly wrong, and he has had a, bear, a bad spring training. It, it, does he have to earn it theoretically? But let's go back. Let's go back to January of 2022 when this was made official. Oscar Colas became part of the White Sox organization because they gave him a $2.7 million signing bonus. Guys who signed for $2.7 million to sign a contract aren't necessarily here at this point of their development just to audition, be one of the guys. He's the guy. And I think over time we'll see that, why they invested the money and why that we have invested this kind of hope in Oscar Colas. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that, um, I think that Oscar Colas, if you recall, when they first got him, he was supposed to be Cuban Otani. Yeah, right? yes, yeah. I love so, that nickname. I, I love that nickname too. Um, but he was, you know, he's a strong-armed guy, and that's why you think he'll be okay in in right field. And he is, but like he he had gone to Japan, but he played in the minor leagues in Japan, right? Well, then, he played for the professional leagues. I mean, the, he played for the SoftBank Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks, of which I've, yeah, I've you know that I've been visited. there. I'm very proud yeah. of that trip. It was a great time. You've walked in his. He's shoes. worn. <laughs> I've seen the. I've I've cheered for the uniform that he wore, number 46, with the SoftBank Hawks. By the way, so he has some professional experience. That's a point well taken. That's why I don't think he's like your typical yeah prospect. But he is like I think he he. Topped out at like the number eighty-five prospect in MLB, and now he's he's in the you know as you say he's twenty-four. It's this is not, I mean this is he's fairly um, old for a rookie. 
right? It's, yeah. It's not these like, days. I mean, these days, yes. You're not rushing him to the major leagues, and we've been waiting for him for a little bit. Apparently, tight with Luis Robert, like had a pre-existing relationship. I know they worked out in the uh, in the off season together. He visited Robert in Miami, I guess, and that's where they worked out. But um, you know, I I just think that when when you're um, you know, I think that uh, the the quote from Pedro Grifo I saw, "There's no BS about him. He comes to work." That's a really good comment to make. That he's just he's not. There's no drama. He's just there to work, and he wants to win the job, and he's going to work to get it. And you know, you watch him. He's a left-handed bat, and he yes. can he can drive the ball. He hit a homer. Was it in Birmingham or in Charlotte last year? That was like 470. Uh, foot home he gave run. it a ride. I think that was Birmingham. Okay. And he hit 23 home runs and 481 at-bats last year. That's the kind of pop you're expected to get. And if he could supply that from the left side of the plate while playing a very sound right field defensively, yeah. that's all you're expecting from him in his first year as a regular. If you think back to, and, and maybe this isn't a fair comparison, but it's what I think of. Remember when Andrew Vaughn was elevated? Yeah. The expectations, they were trying to temper those, and yet he was more ready for that opportunity than maybe they led us to believe. Yeah. And so he hit immediately. He was out of position, but it didn't phase him necessarily. And I think Oscar Colas, when you look at what he can offer the White Sox in his first year, it might be comparable to what Andrew Vaughn did in his first year. He's going to be a... Uh, a, a hitter from the left side, unlike Vaughn from the right side, but it can give you a little bit of power. I don't know where he has to bat in the order to be effective, but he's not going to have to bat third or fourth. Right. So that takes right. the pressure off of him. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they how uh, Pedro Griffo lines them up, and but I, David, I I you know again this idea that he's competing against Gavin Sheets is crazy to me because I've never thought of Gavin Sheets. As a right fielder, I understand that he's been out there, but I've always thought of him as a first baseman and a DH who's playing out of position. And, you know, you'd rather have him uh, as a power bat off the bench than a guy forced to play the outfield. And I feel the same way about Aloy, frankly. I'm worried about Aloy when he plays in the outfield. Um, I like the bet attendee signing because that means they're not going to have. Aloy in the outfield. That means he's going to be at DH. But Aloy didn't get that message, and he talked about playing right field because they now have a left fielder. It's just it, the Sox are a they, they are a very strange group because they have tried. They've well, you only say that guys though, out of position. Well, I I think that's part of it, and I think you're saying that because in the last two years they've lost the benefit of the doubt because there are two ways to look at this, and I totally agree with where you're coming from because I don't know. If you're trusting Gavin Sheets to play every day, I think that's a mistake and you're going to be uh, disappointed. But I think that if you could look at it that way or you could look at it as, boy, they've got quality depth off the bench because Gavin Sheets can come you know, from the left side, give you power that he can fill in as a designated hitter on occasion. He can play first base when you want. In a pinch, he could play right field if Colas disappoints. All those things could be true. And you could look at the positives of that, but I think that we're trained to kind of look at the the glass half empty with the White Sox and these limited players because they have been so so out of position so often right. that you don't trust them when they're asked to perform because it's like it's awkward to watch. 
it's really super weird. Yeah. It's an a strange odd- it's a strange thing to see. And and I mean the other thing is you know p- sort of promulgating this idea positions don't matter. We're a positionless team. No, they do matter. And no, Jake Berger's not a second baseman and no he's got to play third or or not at all and maybe he's not a third baseman. Especially now. Especially now with the premium placed on athleticism up the middle. And isn't exactly. it just so exactly. White Sox that yes. we have celebrated the return of Elvis Andrews and because he was such a gamer last yeah. year in in uh, late August and into September and he is coming back with a triumphant return and welcome back to play out of position. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> that's so true. But, but I again, we've we had this conversation a little bit yesterday. I think he has to play out of position because that's it doesn't matter. If how comfortable he is, it's a one-year, three million dollar deal. It's a really good value, and you have a guy who is a great shortstop, and those same skills. Maybe he's not as good moving to his left than his right. I don't know. I don't know why he couldn't play a good second base. But the fact is, he's so good at short. I'm convinced he'll play second without making it. You know what I mean? I think he'll be fine. They're very similar positions. What I like about it as much as anything, it is it picks a lane for the White Sox. It announces their intentions for 2023. You're not bringing back a 34-year-old, playing him out of position at a new role in a new spot if you're just going to be flirting with respectability. They have designs on wanting to win the division, and they should. They really should. With that pitching staff, there should be no ambiguity about their goals this season. They should think that they're going to unseat the Guardians and be as good as we thought they could be last year because now they have they have the experience of, of having failed, and they can use that, as we heard from Lance Lynn, you know, motivation, chip on the shoulder, whatever the case may be. They have earned our doubt, but now they can prove us wrong, and this is why I think it's good bringing Andrews back because – they're serious about winning this year. Yeah, I and I got to tell you, I think when I look at their team and I think about how they line up, you know, again, this is all – half their team was unavailable at different points last year. At least it felt that way. But I feel like when I look at their lineup, I don't know where Oscar Colas fits in, but I kind of have a feel for how they line them up. You know, I mean, I know who the – the, the starters are. I know that, you know, and I don't know how good, but I know Grandal is going to be the catcher, okay? I know that Andrew Vaughn's at first base. I know that Elvis Andrews at second base. I know that that uh, Tim Anderson is at shortstop and Yohan Mankata is at third base. These are certainties to me. Um, I know Ben Attendi. I know where he's playing. I know who the DH is, and I know that, uh, that um, you, you've got uh, the center fielder. I, I know who all those names are, so I'm not sure who the right fielder is, but I think I know. I think you can put that in pencil, if not pen. This is an everyday lineup that you can feel good about as we sit here at the beginning yeah. of spring training. You feel like it's the opening day lineup that you can win with, and every team goes into spring training with that hope, but I think the White Sox have reason to believe that Colas is going to win the job They've yes. got their guy at second. They've answered some of these offseason questions that lingered longer than they maybe expected them to linger. They do have the huge question about the rotation, the topic that everyone is tired of but won't go away. We don't know what the results of the investigation from Major League Baseball will be with in regard to Mike Clevenger. 
I don't know that whether he's there or not is going to affect my expectations for the White Sox. I, I mean, I'm you know how I feel about the guy. I'm just saying when I look at their starting rotation, you know, it's not like looking at the Cubs. It's not like there are infinite possibilities and they're moving some guys to the bullpen just for snorts and giggles, but they could all always be starters if you wanted or spot starters. The Cubs have almost like an embarrassment of riches when you start talking about their starting pitching. You know, okay, there are there are four guys that you feel good about lined up, one, two, three, four. Maybe Kyle Hendricks is the fifth guy. Maybe not. I don't know how quickly he's back or when he's healthy. But I know they've have a they have a bunch of guys they've tried in different roles. For the Sox, I don't know I don't know who their fifth starter is. I I mean, is it Clevenger? Boy, I hope not. Um, but Davis that, Martin, Jimmy that, Lambert, that's that is Ronaldo Lopez. That, no, no. Okay, no. I, I know. I'm just giving you. I, you, you I know, know the names. names. I'm, you know I'm the saying names. I know the names but, that would line up. So there, let me ask you this. But I don't know that I like any of those. I options. understand that, and they, they may not be done going out and trying to supplement that rotation, if in fact Clevenger isn't available, and that's a possibility until it isn't. Right. right. We don't know right. where this is right. headed. If you look at the Cubs, you, embarrassment of riches. I can see why you'd say that because among young, yeah, they've got a lot of young depth pieces they like, and so would you rather have that collection of the White Sox? Because the White Sox have four starters that, if they can stay healthy, boy, you feel good about them winning that division or at least contending. Whereas with the Cubs, I like the potential, but I think the White Sox production is more of a sure thing this season than maybe the young pitchers coming through for the Cubs. And yet tomorrow I might feel differently because it is back and forth. I don't know. I, I would like uh, Wisniewski on the south side. I, I think of of those guys, of those possibility guys, I like that guy. And I think that he's going to be a pretty good player. I do too. I, I don't know that he's going to line up there. I don't know if he's going to win that spot. You know, Adrian Sampson might win that spot. I don't know. But when you get to the fifth starter, that that would be a guy I'd like. You know, last year we were all talking about Caleb Killian. Oh wow, he's, he's unbelievable. We don't even mention his name. He's like their ninth or tenth not, guy, exactly. And he's that's just another guy now. That says a lot about a couple of things. I think last year he got the opportunity, wasn't ready for it, surprised maybe some people, but also just as you referenced the the quality depth in the organization when it comes to starting pitchers. This now, is a team that can rely upon. Or can expect to have a, you know six or seven guys competing for five spots when Kyle Hendricks gets healthy. When will that be? May or June, and then what? It'll yeah. be a great problem to have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, again, I don't know how they line it up, but I don't like the problem that the Sox have is, as we've talked about, there's nobody in Charlotte. There's really nobody. There's no starting pitching that is, you know, on the cusp, on the verge. They're, they seem like, you know, they're a couple of years off with a lot of the younger guys. Yeah, when Rick Hahn celebrated the emergence last year of Davis Martin. Yeah. And said, you know, somebody like that you know can you can't expect to to you know you don't know what that's going to happen in 2023. Who's going to be that guy? And then you look back at the statistics for Davis Martin and you think, okay, how good of a year did he have? Really? Yeah, I know. He took know. a step, but how big of a step was it? Yeah. I, that can be a little bit overstated. Maybe he's a guy that is ready for a bigger role this year, but in 14 games, nine starts last year, three and six with a 4.83 ERA. Mm. I, I just wish they, brought, okay. I wish they 
had signed Johnny Cueto to whatever modest contract he got. Imagine how different the vibe around Camelback Ranch might be. Just talking about the White Sox this this spring, right? If they had done that, and they were done, and that was going to be their five, the same as last year, but hopefully staying healthier this year. I, th- you know, like I said, I don't. I think there are plenty of positions that I worry about, but I know who they're lining up. I don't know, you know. I honestly, I don't know what Yoan Moncada is as a ball player. I don't know if we're, you know, I, I suspect that it was a long COVID issue with him. And I hope that he has an excuse for how awful he got, but I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. I think Tim Anderson's going to have a good year. I really do. Um, I, I think you'll get consistency now at second base. But is there a surprise player? Is there a breakout player? Somebody texted in that, um, that Oscar Colas is 15-1 to 1 for Rookie of the Year. Don't you get, like, if you have a Rookie of the Year, don't you get an extra draft pick or something? Didn't they change that rule? Um, boy, that'd be awesome. That would be cool if you if yeah. you could have somebody come in and be that good. And then uh, and and you know the other thing is like we were who was I talking to? A buddy of mine texted me saying um, you should wait on Oscar Colas. You know, start with Gavin Sheets and then you you protect the the and I'm like the no. guy's 24 years Don't old. Don't wait. Is ready. Why would you wait? There's Just nothing to day wait for. one, line him up. Let's see it. Start getting a return on your investment, and exactly. it's a sizable investment. It bears repeating about the fact that when the Sox brought him here a couple of years ago, they paid him 2.7 million dollars as a signing bonus. And right. in, when you're talking about prospects and you're talking about the size of the deal, that matters. That definitely matters. All right, we know what. The Bulls are missing. What we don't know is what they've got now in Patrick Beverly. Is it a mistake to look at a buyout market guy as some secret sauce that's going to change the season? We're going to ask that question of Kendall Gill. We'll do that next. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now with the mlb app you can get baseball your way 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. It's hard to kind of judge me from, you know, all the out, out, outside stuff. You know, a lot of people think it's what I do is putting on a lot of antics and all that extra. But when when in reality, you know, when you when I'm on your team and I'm your teammate and I'm your player and you're my coach, like, you get a different vibe. You're like, man, this like he'd do anything for the team. You know what I'm saying? So they ain't going to get that. I'm going to, you know me, I'm going to be on Zach with being ass. I'm, I'm going to give them all the energy you need. Destroy people. Me and DeMar DeRozan, we good. I got a, a pop and five. Uh, and Vujovic, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. I'm excited, too, listening to how excited Patrick Beverly is about becoming a, a Bulls player. And God knows we need something here in Chicago to lift that team. We are delighted to welcome in Kendall Gill, does a great job with NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, and he joins us now, as all guests do, on the SCORE hotline presented by Soda Weight Loss. Visit SodaWeightLoss.com. That's S-O-T-A. Kendall, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, man. I didn't picture myself doing what I'm doing now, fixing breakfast for kids and getting ready for school 20 years ago, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> After your workout, though, Kendall, right? You've already worked out oh, yeah, this morning. Yeah, I, yeah, I've already trained, man. Now I'm, now I'm over the grill doing eggs and bacon and all that stuff. <laughs> Good well, for you. So, listen, um, Patrick Beverly says he's going to be on Zach Levine's ass, which I I laughed out loud at, but I I don't know that that's not what is needed. I, I, I've always found him to be an amusing player, kind of an agitator, and he does some wild stuff. And, you know, listening to him talk, you never know what he's going to say. He's, he's got this sort of, you, you never know what he's going to do, but you know he's going to play hard. I I try to caution myself not to get caught up in buyout market guys. Like, I think there was a big, you know, buzz last year with Tristan Thompson, which was crazy. And now with Patrick Beverly, this might be exactly what they need, but I don't want to get caught up in that. Yeah, I'm 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 of the same thought process. Uh, you know, I, I think that they do need something um, to to get them jump started. Um, you know, maybe this is it. You know, I've I've watched Patrick Beverly a number of years and everything, and, and you know, listening to his press conference yesterday, I uh, you know I'm I'm excited to see what he what he brings to uh, the locker room. Um, so you know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see, see because this this came out of nowhere for me because I, I didn't even think that uh, Pat Bev was on the Bulls' radar. But he does bring uh, a guy in the locker room that will speak up when when he sees something that's not going right. Um, so, and I think that, that that's something that we need because, you know, the Bulls, I mean, we, 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 got, we got nice guys, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but sometimes you need that guy uh, that will step up and say something in the locker room when things are going wrong. So would you say, Kendall, your expectations are mostly positive, or do you think that this is a Bulls team with 23 games to go, have declared who they're going to be, and this is just not going to be their year? No, no, no. I, I don't think that way at all. I think that the Bulls can still make a run. 
Um, you know, just too much talent on this team. We've seen what they can do uh, when they stick to the game plan and win the big three, 20-plus uh, points per game. Um, you know, maybe you just need that, that the one influence that can continue to push them in that direction and know, look, when we get off the rails, we need somebody to get, get us back on the rails. Maybe that's uh, Pat Bell's uh, role on this basketball team. You know, because I think, look, I think the Bulls are a very good team when they when they play the way that they're capable of playing. That's playing through boots, uh, not playing a lot of one-on-one basketball until it's time, uh, letting um, Zach do his thing when he gets the basketball, uh, and then letting – but in order for that to happen, you have to play – through Nikola Busevich, which we've been saying night in and night out on the show. That's not saying necessarily that Nikola Busevich shoots the basketball every time. It's because he commands a double team in the post. And now when he commands a double team, when he kicks it out, because he is a willing passer, when he kicks it out, you got open shots for everybody. That's why uh, it's important to play uh, the way that they play when they play through Vooch. They're 11th right now, which is insane. And they've, lost six in a row, which is just depressing. I mean, they had some terrible losses in that streak. And, you know, it coincided with the trade deadline. I don't know if it was a response to it, but it felt like they had a chance to do something, anything. They didn't take it. They they end up kind of standing pat. And then there was no reaction from the team at all. Yeah, uh, but this is a team that you remember when when they this the front office rather this is a front office that front office that believes in holding all of their uh, core players for at least three to four years to see what they really do have. I mean, you remember when they were in in Denver? This is this is the same game plan that they did in Denver. So so they're sticking with the script. And I understand, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road here and there. We didn't expect this bumpy of a road this season. But here we are, but they're continuing to stick with the game plan, which which is what I understand. When I was in Charlotte, uh, looking back on it now, we had some problems with Alonzo, uh, Larry Johnson. Uh, you know, sometimes the the big three, which which included me and Larry and Zoe, you know, they should have kept that core together for at least four or five years to see what they had. But instead, being a young franchise, they decided to trade go to Miami. I went to Seattle. Larry went to New York. You know, whereas if they had kept us together, you never know what we could have done. And I think that's the same situation here with the Bulls. Now, that's not saying that you stay like that, but you got to see what you have for the first three, four years. Then after that, if it's not working, then that's when you make major decisions. That's, that's, that's the way I look at it anyway. Kendall, when we talk about what impact Patrick Beverly will have, it's it's with the tone. It's with the – energy it's with the you know curing the complacency and the first player people think of is Zach Levine and frankly the first player Patrick Beverly mentioned was Zach is that a fair thing for him to be the symbol of this up and down inconsistency that the Bulls have become this year no not at all you know we we, we think uh I think that Zach has performed well this year considering you know he really didn't have that much of an offseason uh, because he got married, had a baby, had knee surgery. And, you know, I feel that he's been playing well considering all the things that he's been through. And then, and then also you had the pressures of the max contract and everything. So, 
you know, he's still averaging 23 a game. You know, he's still he's, he's still giving us numbers each and every night. It's just that the team collectively as a whole has not played well, and that's what reflects on Zach. Zach doesn't need any motivation. What they need is a quarterback to keep them on the rails, and I keep saying that. That's why Lonzo Ball is so important. And, and you guys can go back to when they uh, when I saw the first practice with Lonzo, Demar, and Zach a couple uh, two seasons ago. I said Lonzo Ball is the key to the whole thing. Okay, and that's exactly what has happened. I mean, you know, you, you got to get a you got to get a quarterback out there to keep everybody on the rails. That's that's the problem, guys. Yeah, and, and I mean, frankly, they we knew they were going to shut him down. We knew that he wasn't going to play this year. That that's been apparent for a while. But now that they finally done it, and you know he's played whatever it is, thirty five games in two years. What happens now? Do you just wait patiently and hope he comes back? Do you try to get out of that contract in some fashion, come, come to some injury settlement? Do we even know if he will play again in his career, given you know the two surgeries doing nothing apparently? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very disappointed that that he's not able to come back and. You know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and he's like, man, this has Brandon Roy written all over it. And I'm like, well, I hope not, you know, because he's such a wonderful talent and, and he's so important to this basketball team. But there is some time constraints on this sort of thing where you have to, well, if, if he's not going to play anymore and then we have to move on. Uh, but I don't think that's right now. I think that's down the road. Maybe, you know, at the end of the summer, if, if he's not – uh, participating at a level that, that satisfies you, then you may have to make a decision. Kendall, I don't know if it has local implications or not, or just is a reflection of what the NBA is, but you look at Atlanta, Nate McMillan gets fired two years, less than two years after taking the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals. I know he's had issues with Trey Young. Maybe it's all about that, but he came after Billy Donovan arrived and he's left, he, and Billy Donovan's still here. Do you think that Billy Donovan is facing any job jeopardy if the Bulls don't get into the playoffs after a season that had this, these kinds of expectations? Uh, no, not right now because, of course, you know, he's, he's signed an extension and I don't, I don't think the Bulls are going to pull the trigger on uh, Billy Donovan because of, you know, what's, what's been going on because of the extension and also because they believe, like I said before, in keeping the core together at least three or four years. That includes the coach. So, you know, I don't. I don't think that he's going to face any backlash um, from here on out un, until, like, now if we have another season like this next year, then you know, possibly they may be thinking about that. But you know, they're just going to let it ride for right now. You know, um, we look at where they're at and what they have done here. Um, how how realistic is it to expect them to get back toward five hundred to get back into the playoff mix or the play-in mix. Um, I, I mean, is this uh, is this something that has to happen for, for you to even – have they already had a bad year, I guess, is the question. Well, they've had a disappointing year. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the way that I look at it because there's still time for them to rectify everything. So if they come out, they've had, they've had about a week off now. Everybody understands stands what's on the table at this point. Um, you come back, you go on the run because listen, guys. I mean, there's only like three, four games that separates this team from being in the in the play-in and then you know the seventh, eighth spot. 
you know, what happens if they go on a run where they, where they win 10 out of 12? You know, then we're right back in the mix. So, you know, I'm going to take, I'm going to take this as a positive that the Bulls are going to be motivated when, when they come back after all-star break and get the job done. Everybody, everybody knows what's on the line. Every player, the coaches, the front office, the equipment manager, the ushers at the United Center, everybody knows what's on the line right now. So, you know, we have to go into this now come back from all-star break on a positive note saying, okay, these are the games that we have to win, and this is how we're going to go on our run. Knowing you, Kendall, I know that you probably do value winning, whether you're analyzing the team or we're playing for a team, you value winning over developing younger talent. That said, when you sign Patrick Beverly, when you're playing for that final playoff spot or play-in spot, you might be doing it at the expense of developing a guy like rookie Dalen Terry, like giving Patrick Williams more responsible responsibility offensively. Is that worth it, do you think? Do you think it's worth sacrificing that kind of development in those two guys specifically in the name of making the playoffs? That's what the G League is for. If you want to develop Dalen, put him down in the G League, I'm for winning right now. You know, we don't have any time to waste. You know, DeMar is, DeMar is 33 years old. Zach, of course, is only 27, 28. But you have the pieces in line right now in order to make a run. I'm not going to sacrifice the, uh, the playoffs for a development of something that we could do in the G League or over the summer. Dalen Terry's future is coming. He's a talented player, but not right now. Um. Terry Taylor signed to a two-way contract. That was kind of interesting just because they released Malcolm Hill, you know, a line-eye guy, been here a couple of years. But Taylor played pretty well against the Bulls when he was with Indy. Um, and then, obviously, Tony Bradley ends up being released to make room for Patrick Beverly. Anything surprise mm-hmm. you about that? No, nothing, nothing surprised me about it. I mean, this is, this is the NBA. This is the moves are made to, to make room for for. For players, this is this is part of the business. Uh, you know, unhappy, unhappy for Malcolm Hill because he's an Illini guy. I know he works hard and everything, but this is the price of the business and, and being in it. Kendall, how often did you cringe watching the All Star Game? Oh my God! Hey, listen, I, I'm gonna tell you. You can watch that. Yeah, go to my Instagram account. After the first four minutes, I turned to Emily in Paris. <laughs> I did. Me, me, me and my wife, we started watching Emily in Paris. I did not turn turn it back on because I knew exactly what it was supposed to be. Hey, hey, Emily in Paris is pretty good, by the way, guys. guys <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I thought ever. I, I didn't blame. I didn't blame the league. I thought the league did everything right. I just don't know why the players would want to walk through a game like that. I just didn't yeah. understand. Yeah, I mean, you guys remember how you go back to the 1993 All-Star game. Yeah. competitive. I mean, those guys really wanted to put on the show and 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 show why they were selected All-Stars. I mean, I, I mean, you really do a disservice to the fans when you don't show up and play the game of basketball when when people have recognized you as one of the best players uh, um, during the season for that year, and you come out and you do that. I, I heard LeBron didn't even show up till the All-Star game until Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so it, it shows you. I mean, you have you have a lot of responsibilities, press responsibilities. The fans want to see you and everything like that. And then you guys you come out there and um, and play the way that they did. I mean, I, I thought it was just disrespectful to the honor of being an All Star. You know how many guys want to be All Stars? You know how many guys have gotten All Star snubs and want to be in that game? And then you go out there and, and play like that. That's why I was disappointed. 
Great stuff, Kendall. Great catching up with you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kendall. All right, guys. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. How many times is Pat Bell going to cuss in uh, press conferences? <laughs> what's the over under? Because I'm, I'm going to bet you guys. <laughs> well, I think in his first one, I would think the over under got to be you got to put it at five. The number. Can, can you I'll win the over? Can you win the news conference if you go blue? we're gonna find out thanks Kendall yeah we're gonna learn one way or another I can't imagine he wouldn't uh cuss a little bit that's just his that's just his nature it's the way he communicates he's got a great podcast he can say you know it's going to be entertaining yeah bottom line and he's going to have an impact no doubt about it I I mean I again I I told you this I'd rather watch Pro Bowl players do a balloon toss, then watch that NBA All-Star gig. Well, that was Kendall'd rather watch Emily awful. in Paris. Yeah. Although he says it's very good, I'll have to give it a shot. I look, I think next time we should have Kendall on, maybe doing more TV reviews. That is Netflix. I think Netflix. Okay. Yeah. I I haven't seen it yet. You know, I'm a big Britbox guy. I know you are. I, I'm a big Paris guy. <laughs> I know you are. Yeah. Perry. Yeah. We oui, we oui, mon ami. Lafayette. I'm a big you. Hamilton guy, too, apparently. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the school. Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, and, I, and I think the one team that I, I see the, the fit is, is Vegas, who ironically is in town tomorrow night in Chicago. Uh, I think that's the team where he played with Jack Eichel at the Biosteel camp before training camp, so he kind of knows. Uh, but it's also like a spotlight stage. He, he can he can go out and play with Jack Eichel, and he can immediately be the, the kind of the game breaker that Vegas is, is lacking. So uh, I'm going to say no, and I think my prediction is Vegas. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that is the voice of Charlie Rumeliotis. We had him on uh, yesterday. We were talking about uh, what could potentially be Patrick Kane's um, last home game as a Blackhawk. That was uh, – Last night, and Kaner delivered. Uh, it didn't count the uh, the goal that he scored to win the game, but they ended up winning in a shootout anyway. And he did supply the assist on the goal that got them to the overtime. and uh, And Kaner, obviously, a very talented player. And uh, it was interesting because Kyle Davidson, the Blackhawks general manager, was on with NBC Sports Chicago between periods. Yeah, and he had to say about the t- possibilities. That exists uh, didn't have much to say, but he he talked about just how it remains Patrick Kane's decision to make because he has a no movement clause and he's conflicted right now about what to do. And Kyle Davidson sounded like a guy that uh, was going to let Patrick Kane kind of dictate the course of what happens next. Has Kane or Pat given you a list of of teams that he'd be willing to go to? We have had conversations over the last little while and stayed in pretty constant uh, contact with both Pat and Patrick. Um, We haven't gotten to the point that we're talking teams or anything that specific. And uh, I think we're still getting to the point where we want to figure out, you know, what the decision is for for the deadline, whether he wants to explore something new or, or stick around. So we haven't gotten down to specifics. We're just not there yet. Kyle Horvat, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, they all went fairly early yeah. at, you know, before the trade deadline. Did any of that surprise you at all? Is there anything that intrigues you specifically about those what's happened right now in those transactions? Um, 
I don't think it surprised me. I think it's it's always uh, interesting to see when names start going off the board and how the market reacts to those names. I think after each each trade, there was a little bit of a flurry of calls where, um, yeah, I think other teams aren't sure if, if things are going to progress a lot quicker and, and everything's going to start moving. Uh, so it does kind of kickstart things a, a little bit. But, um, you know, nothing too surprising, but uh, it, it's nice to get the the talks moving and, and, and progressing a little bit through those early moves. All right. So that's interesting. I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. I don't know that I believe it, quite frankly. I don't. I, I, because there's no I, way you can arrange a trade without knowing whether I, or not the guy that has the no trade clause is going to go with it or not. Well, I think what he didn't share, what I doubt, is that he's got deals – potential deals in place with certain teams that have already talked to him about what they would be willing to give up. And yes. he's saying to Kaner, which team would you be willing to go to? And maybe he's not giving him the compensation package or telling his agent, Pat Brisson, what it is exactly. But I can't believe that Kyle Davidson is waiting to negotiate with these teams until he gets the green light from Kaner. Exactly. That's it, not it, realistic. It's the most awkward position to be in where you all you want to do is trade a guy and get the most you can get for him. But in this situation, it has to be a collaborative process where he's on board with where you are going to send him. So, so like, I, I mean, is it a nonstop? If you say to him, hey, you know, look, we, we've got a chance. You know, you know what might work for you is uh, Edmonton. That might be a great place for you to go. Uh, you know, I don't want to go there. Okay, well, you know. They've got to respect. If you thought about Edmonton, maybe. Gotta, you, you, and I'm not saying Edmonton. I'm no, just saying wherever the best deal would be. They, they really, how do you push that to the guy you can't. if he doesn't want to go He'll see there. through it. Exactly. That's the point. That's and the that's problem. the awkwardness. And that's, that's why I give Kyle Davidson credit for talking about it without talking about it. Yeah. Being as transparent as he can. Yeah. yeah, I think he represented himself pretty well there because let's, the, Patrick Kane – is that his primary concern is not what the compensation will be for the Blackhawks. Exactly. His primary concern is where he will be most comfortable and where he will be able to win this year. Not beyond this year. This is a, this is yeah, a rental. No, this is right now. This He's is right now. Free agency. And, and it, it is a it is it is really kind of you're on his timeline. You can go out and you can make oh this guy was traded that guy was traded. Are you surprised all these deals are happening and you're not in it? Well. You know, we're talking to everyone, and we have various deals set mm -hmm. up, but we have to wait until he tells us if he's willing well, to go there. Well, it was a good question by Kaylee Chelios because the Tarasenko trade to the Rangers yes. was one that Patrick Kane responded to publicly. Oh, he was not you never hear that. Never. Yeah. And it's, it made you think that, okay, this could possibly happen. But now that the Rangers have been excluded, Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network said yesterday that other teams have called, so every contender is interested because Patrick Kane, you find a spot for a guy like that. Oh, yeah. This is the most accomplished Chicago athlete in town right now. So you definitely know that there would be interest. The, the question would be, if you're Patrick Kane now, is it worth that? Do you want to leave this? I don't think that he's committed to that. And the, the fact that he still hasn't made his mind up almost makes you wonder if he's made his mind up. Yeah. If you're unsure at this point in time and you can't quite get there, you're making a big life decision, that might be making the decision. Your indecision says everything. The, the beauty of it is, from his perspective, is he doesn't have to go anywhere. Right. He is not, it is, 
it's not incumbent upon him to to say to the Blackhawks. Now, maybe the Blackhawks should go to him and say, Pat, we're going to bring you back, uh, you know, uh, Aroldis Chapman style. Go win your cup somewhere else, and we're going to bring you back and give you everything, make your dreams come true. Maybe that would uh, help, but I doubt it. And I don't I think when a guy leaves, he leaves. I think when he leaves, he leaves. Yeah. And I don't I know agree. that he wants to do that or he would come back because once he crosses I that agree. threshold and mentally gets to that point, he's gone. And not only that, like it, it, things, you know, you wind up on another team like, oh, my God, look, I got guys around me again. I, I remember what this feels like. Or I miss my routine. I'm a, uh, I'm a slave to yeah, ritual yeah. and I am setting my ways and I'm at the stage of my career. I don't need that because I've already experienced three cups I've done everything I could do. So it you could go both ways. And and you know, from a general manager standpoint, where if if he only will go someplace, you trade him there. Like you gotta get something for him. If them. he has one team that he would approve a trade to, then you trade you make a there. deal with that team, yeah. even if it's a bad deal, because if you're Kyle Davidson, you want to return for that asset. All right. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.